Why don't you turn with me again this evening to two openings, Matthew 6 and Luke 14. If you were not with us yesterday evening, you'd really get the most out of what we're saying if you heard that teaching. We're building upon what we laid last night. And we begin talking about the first principle. And you read this verse in Matthew 6, and we'll just read the 32nd verse. He was talking about being concerned about what you eat and drink, being concerned about what you wear, being concerned about the natural things of life. And verse, well, let's back up to verse 31. He said, therefore, take no thought. In other words, don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? You know, doubt has questions. Faith has answers. Doubt will talk all day about, what are we going to do about that? Faith will say, God will come through. God will take care of us. He, he meets all our needs. Amen. He keeps me. He he, well, what are we going to do if this happens? Well, well, God protects us. He looks after us. Amen. Doubt has questions and faith has answers. Don't, don't fret about all those things. Verse 32, For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added Unto you. Let's read that together at least three times. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Say it again. Is it true? Think about it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Unto you. One more time. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. You know, there's a thought here. There's a big difference between you adding something to yourself and God adding it to you. Do you know you can add things to yourself? prematurely, through your own strength, through your own labors and efforts, you can add things to yourself. And when you do, it's a burden. But when God adds a thing to you, amen, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow. With When the Lord adds something to you, it's not going to be with sorrow, it's going to be a blessing. Amen. Anybody in here ever added anything to yourself and it was a problem? Got me and two more honest people. Absolutely, I've done it. I've done it, just thought you had to have something. Maybe went in debt for it up to your eyes. Signed that paper for those 400 easy payments. Whatever it was. I know why you're laughing so hard. (laughs) And after 
two or three weeks when the new wore off and the debt was still there. And then because it wasn't blessed, it broke four or five times. <laughs> huh? You know what I'm talking about? Before it's over with, you're going, oh, God. I want to quit adding stuff to me and let you add it to me. But the thing is, he will add it to you in due season, which is almost always later than your flesh wants it to be. Your flesh wants it right now. And, and, and if, you let, if you let it, covetousness will blind you to the leadings of the Lord. And you get got to have it itis. And you'll just cast wisdom to the wind and not pay attention to the leading of the Lord. And, and just add stuff to yourself. You can do it. You can add things. Try to promote yourself and try to bless yourself and try to increase yourself. and All kind of things. And it just doesn't work. But if you'll seek not the blessing, not the prosperity, not the promotion, seek the kingdom of God. Amen. Seek to be a real blessing and, and a benefit and furtherance of the kingdom. Just get, get all caught up in that. Amen. 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 So that most of the time you're just not even thinking about yourself. Amen. You do that and you just keep doing it day after day and month after month and year after year. God will add things to you. Amen. He'll add this to you. And he'll add that to you. And he'll add another to you. And he'll promote you. And he'll bless you. And not just natural things only. Yeah, he wants you to be blessed. But he'll add to you really valuable things. Revelation. Yeah. Understanding. Yeah. More anointing. Yeah. More grace. Yeah. Hallelujah. And certainly like he said, all these things. Houses, clothes, food. All those things. But they'll come without you striving for them. Like the people of the world do. They're spending all their efforts and energies to get them. And then so many times when they do get them, they slip through their fingers. Because everything in this realm is temporal and subject to change. But everything done where the kingdom is concerned is eternal. Now look in Luke 14. Luke 14, and let's read this again. We read the first passage of Scripture about the Lord inviting the people to His supper. And they all had something else to do, made excuse, and uh, missed out. Because in verse 24, He said, uh, None of those that were bidden, none of the ones that were first invited, uh, will taste of My supper. Verse 25 says, There were great multitudes with him, and he turned and said to them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Amen. Now, you don't hear too much preaching on that verse. <laughs> Do you? Because a whole lot of folk have just decided they don't understand what that means, so they just pass over it real quick. But Jesus said it. It must be true. It must be significant or he wouldn't have said it. Wouldn't be in here. And when the Lord tells us something, is it negative? Is it something that's going to just take away from us and rob us? Is it something that we'd really be better off without? Certainly not. Certainly not. 
even if it doesn't appear that way initially, always know the word of the Lord is good. Even if it's correction. Even if it's rebuke. The Lord's got our best interest at heart. Amen. He's looking out for us. Even if something might seem hard at the moment, he, uh, he knows. He knows the future. Yeah. Oftentimes the Lord will tell you, you know, uh, that, that's not for you. you, you maybe you've got your heart set on it. And, and if you'll pray and seek him, he'll say, no, that's, that's not what I want. That's not for you. And it may be the best thing you've seen in a long time. And everything about your flesh and soul may say, I want it, I want it. But if he says that's not it, then there's something else that's better for you. Amen. You hadn't seen it, but he has. Amen. He's already located it and got it picked out for you. Amen. And you've got to trust him enough to turn loose of this. Amen. 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 Well, if loving yourself the most and loving your parents and your friends and your family and et cetera, et cetera, in your own life was the best way and was the most benefit, he wouldn't have said, he wouldn't have said this. But obviously through this, we would benefit. We would benefit. We're going to come back to this. But he said, And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost? Everybody say counts the cost. Counts the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Wisdom always looks ahead. That'll, just, just that phrase will help you with all kind of things concerning the wisdom of Proverbs, concerning the wisdom in the whole Word of God, concerning the manifestation of the Word of Wisdom. Wisdom has to do with looking ahead. Thinking about, if I do this, then what's going to happen? If I say that, how are they going to respond? If I say or do this, what kind of results or response am I going to get? Okay, if we do this, then what happens next? And so wisdom, before it embarks on something, it'll count the cost. Right? You know, we're here at the beginning of the year, and it's a popular custom with many to make New Year's resolutions. Nothing in the Word that I'm aware of about New Year's resolutions. But people do, you know, and I understand that. You know, they, maybe they've had a challenge with something and a new year is beginning and they think, well, hey, I'm not going to do this for another year. I'm going to change. And so uh, while the fireworks are going off, they say, all right, you know, this is it. No more of this. Or I'm going to do this from now on. And most of the time, within a couple of weeks, they did it again. Or it's, it's out the window. Why is it that people uh, repeatedly make resolutions and break them? They did not count the cost. Did you hear me? They didn't count the cost. They, uh, we don't need to be hasty in any of these things. You, you need to look at it and see, is this the right thing for me to do? Uh, is this according to the Word? Is this what the Lord's leading me to do? Look at it. Pray about it. And then if you're convinced that it is and you're supposed to do it, well, what's it going to be like? 
uh, what's it going to cost me? Amen. Look at it really honestly. Make yourself look at it. Well, what am I going to have to lay aside? How's that going to feel? That might be all right for a week or two, but then what's going to happen? Make yourself look at it. And do not go in with a romantic fairy tale notion of how it's going to be. Look at it. If it's going to be rough, admit it to yourself. This may be pretty rough. Am I sure I want to do this? Am I sure I'm supposed to? And look at it and think about it and ponder it. And then once you know you're on the right track and once you're really sure that you understand how much it's going to cost you and you say, well, I'm willing to pay it because it's worth it. Then put your word on it. Amen. Amen. And once you put your word on it, if you're not a liar, you cannot go back. The reason so many have difficulty with situations is their word is not good. They say I'm going to do this or they say I'm not going to do this, but they just basically lie. And uh, we need to treat our own word with much greater respect. And make up our mind, I'm not saying it unless I'm doing it. Because once I say it, I've got to do it because I cannot lie. I refuse to be a liar and not be a person of my word. And when you get like that, you won't make commitments. You won't say things haphazardly. Because if you tell somebody you're going to be there, you've you got to be there. Right? You tell somebody you're going to do it, you've got, you got to follow through. Elsewise, you're a liar. You know, you can't be a person of faith if you're a liar. Can't be. Mark eleven twenty three. remember what it says? Whoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that God says shall come to pass. Hmm? No, believe what? Believe the things that you say shall come to pass. You'll have what you say. You've got to believe not only in God's words, you've got to believe in your own words. To be a person of faith. And if you tell a lie here and there, and pretty frequently, and this and that, well then you know in your own heart that your word's not always good. And so when you try to make a faith confession, your own heart's going to condemn you. Amen. I didn't intend to say all that, but it's true nonetheless. <laughs> so you're better off not, not saying a thing than to say it and not do it. And you'll find in tough situations where your flesh is giving you a lot of trouble or this or that, the thing that can, then can help break it is for you to have a word of integrity. And you get to the point where you say, I've got to make a change here. This is not working for me. This is hindering me. This is holding me back. Then you say, you look at it, you pray about it, you ponder it, you consider it, and then you put your word on it. You say, in Jesus' name, I will not do this. Or for X amount of time or, or whatever. Watch about saying you're not going to do something forever. That's a long time. Now, if it's a gross sin, well, yeah, you know, maybe you need to say that. But do you see what I'm saying? There have been times that, that I have written things down. Uh, you know, I, I just, before me and the Lord, before me and the Lord, I said, Lord... You know, before you, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this for X amount of time and sign my name to it and fold it up and put it in my pocketbook and carry it with me. Amen. Well, now, if I'm not a liar, it's done. Amen. Is that right? No matter what my flesh says or does, if I'm not a liar, if my word is good, we got it fixed. Amen. Can you say amen? Yeah. Keep reading here. 
What king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000? Else while the other is a great way off, he sends an ambassage and desires conditions of peace. Again, thinking ahead, looking ahead. Before you just go, you know, blast into a situation, you better think about what's there and what's going to happen when you get there. Verse 33, so likewise... Whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't know that we have always told people this. But uh, Jesus was very specific about this. That it's not just a matter of coming and saying, I receive you, Lord. Hallelujah. And then going back to your life. But if you're going to be his disciple and his follower, it's basically going to cost you everything. This is not a popular message. (laughs) But is it true? Is it the words of Jesus? Is it negative? Is it bad? (laughs) That's not the whole crowd. (laughs) Now I'm just going to stay with this tonight, okay? Whether I get a shout or amen or whether I don't, I'm just going to stay right with it. Because that's what I got on my heart. And this is such an issue, such an issue. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. And listen to me carefully. He has most of the church world convinced that if they totally sell out for God... And go all the way with God, they won't like it. (laughs) That it's going to cost them too much. They're not going to get to do this. And they're not going to get to do that. And they're basically just going to lose everything they like to do. And it's just going to be kind of holy, holy, but bored. Did you hear me? Most Christians are convinced that they they don't say it, they don't talk about it, but when they come up against something for a greater commitment, they kind of pull back and think, well, I don't want to give up everything. (laughs) I like this. Or I like doing that. Do you understand the Lord is not interested in taking anything good away from you? But there are often a lot of things that are not so good. That the flesh likes and wants and wants to hold on to. But we would be so much better off without it. And Jesus tells us very plainly, very boldly, if you're going to be my disciple, what's going to have to happen? Read it. Don't Don't just hear me. What did he say? Whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Is he telling us we're going to have to take an oath of poverty? No. Is he telling us we can't enjoy anything in life? No. Then how do we understand this? I'm getting there. Verse 34. (laughs) Verse 34, salt is good. You know, salt gives things flavor. But if the salt has lost his savor or his flavor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? 
It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Christians are supposed to be salty, zesty, flavorful. Amen. Have some bite to them and some punch to them. Amen. But that cannot be separated from being totally sold out. Amen. Just being wholehearted, whole hog for God. Sold out, as we say. Nothing holding back. Totally sold out. But probably most are not. You know, we just need to be honest. Most churches are not as stirred up as y'all are. I'm talking about worldwide. Vast majority. Do you understand how many people, how many millions of Christians come to church or services and they don't want to come to begin with? And they don't want to stay any longer than they have to stay. They're watching the clock and they just count the minutes till they can get out. They don't really enjoy it. They're not excited about it. They're not stirred up about it. They do it out of a sense of religious duty and or condemnation if they don't. We're talking about millions of people. They're not salty. They're not zesty. They're bland. Bland Christians. Amen. Bland, tasteless, no spice, bland. Lukewarm. Is that right? You got a lot of cold ones. Then you got a whole lot of lukewarm ones. And you got a few hot ones. The Lord likes the hot ones. That's the only ones he likes. Now he loves all, everybody, but I'm talking about the ones he enjoys. And the ones he can use. And the one he can work with and through. And if you and I, if it's true that the time is short, if it's true that... We're in this wonderful window of opportunity. Amen. Amen. Closer to the winding up of this thing than anybody's ever been. Alive, breathing on the earth, have a part in the kingdom of God. If that's true, man, we ought to be fired about it. We just, we ought to be salty. Amen. And when people come in contact with us, they ought to go, whoo. Well, they're not bland, I tell you that. <laughs> you may not agree with everything about them, but they sure are lively. And they sure believe what they believe. And they mean business. They're not just playing and biding their time and twiddling their thumbs. See, we got a whole segment of Christianity, a huge one, that's just holding on, as they say, by the skin of their teeth and begging the Lord to come. Please come. Come, please. Come now. I owe money. Come. <laughs> please come tonight. I'm not making it. Come now. <laughs> That's not what the Lord wants. He, 
He doesn't want to come just to bail us out before we get smushed. He wants us to be victorious. Amen. And without spot and, and blemish and powerful and strong. And his representatives in the earth that occupying till He comes. And when He does sound the trumpet and shout and come, we're standing here with our foot on the devil's head going... We're just like you told us, Lord. We're here. We're occupying. Salty. Zesty. Spicy. Maybe we should make us some t-shirts. Draw a big circle with a cross and it says, Bland Christians. I'm joking about that t-shirt stuff. But you understand what I'm saying? X out. We don't want any blandness. Mediocrity. Lukewarmness. Make do. So-so. We're getting by. Just hold on till he comes. Maybe he'll come tonight. If you really believed that it might come tonight, you might say, Lord, could you just hold off for a day or two? And let me get my act a little bit more together. Amen. Because I want to be... I want to be happening when you come. I don't want to be under the gun. I want to be spicy and salty. And ready for you. Amen. So I'm representing you decently when you, when you come. But what is going to make you salty? What's going to make you spicy what what's what would make you bland well this all goes together don't separate it so likewise whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has he cannot be my disciple salt is good do you see this what would make a christian bland holding back lack of commitment right Right. Go with me to Mark 4, please. Mark chapter 4. Everybody say salty. salty. Yeah. Anybody in here that enjoys bland food? That's your preference. Or do you like something with some flavor? You know, if you eat different types of food... After a while, the, you know, if you hadn't had something a long while, you just get up one day and you go, Mexican. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't had Mexican in a long time. And there's nothing quite like some good, I mean, make your head sweat, Mexican. <laughs> and then maybe you get up a few days later and you think, Thai food. I lost a lot of you right there. I didn't see. <clears throat> or whatever it might be. What about when God looks at us in the morning? He didn't wake up. He's already awake. But when he looks at us in the morning, wonder if he thinks, yay, some more bland Christians. <laughs> I think it's such that the, he has so much blandness that when he gets a hold of a spicy pepper, it makes him happy. It makes him smile. <laughs> Amen. 
We need to, you know, there, there's been so much talk about zeal without wisdom. Until people have eliminated the zeal and still don't have much wisdom. <laughs> we are to be zealous. We're not to cool off in order to be wise. But you got so many people that feel like, well, now we've become wise and we have some understanding and knowledge and we're cold and dull and boring, but we have grown up. No, no, you just about half backslid. <laughs> Serious. Because when you're, you're walking close to God and you're full of faith and you've got the plan and you're in the middle of it, you're going to have some fire about you. You're going to have some zeal about you. You're going to, you're going to get animated when you talk about things. <laughs> Amen. And you're, you're not going to be dull and bored and bland. Are you? Everybody say salty. Salty Christians. That's me. Well, why do people become bland? We're, we're touching on this in Mark 4. Look at it. This is the account of the parable of the sower, the seed and the sower and the ground. And you know that he mentions four types of ground. Good ground, stony ground, thorny ground, wayside ground. And there was only one type of ground that produced any fruit. Uh, the other three did not. And this is typical of different kinds of people. You understand that you are good or not so good ground in different areas of life. You might be good ground in one area and not so good in another area. But you can change. You can be good ground all around. If you desire. But the thorny ground represents this. Verse 18, Mark 4, 18. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts or desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is why Christians become bland. They do not forsake all and pursue and seek the kingdom first and foremost. They are preoccupied with cares, concerns, which to them are totally legitimate and justifiable. And why would you expect them to do otherwise? I've, I've got a family. I've got house payments to make. I've got kids to feed and shoes to buy and education to procure. And I've got a company to run. And I've got this and I've got that. But you can be so caught up with the cares and concerns of that that it chokes the word out of you. Amen. And you become bland. And the desires and lusts for things. And the deceitfulness of riches. Wealth is not the answer to all your problems. Amen. You can have money untold and be so miserable you don't know what to do with yourself. Jesus said, you know, in Luke 12, he said, beware of covetousness. Because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Prosperity is of the Lord. It is his will. He doesn't want any of us broke and poor. But 
Prosperity is not the ultimate pursuit. We're not to seek first prosperity. But the kingdom. Because the prosperity doesn't have a proper purpose. Unless we're in pursuit of the kingdom. And you really have to watch this. There is a danger that comes with increasing prosperity. A temptation. And until you can grow past a certain point, God cannot add certain levels of prosperity to you. There are some folk, you know, the more, the more free time they have, instead of serving God with it, they just get cold. There's a lot of people that if they had a lot of money right now, they wouldn't be in church next Sunday. They'd be down in the Bahamas. Maybe sipping a drink. Maybe backslid in a few months. I'm serious. I've seen it many times. And so, well, that, does that mean you mean God is, is keeping me poor so I don't backslide? No. No. God's not keeping you poor. But all these things will hinder you from being able to lay hold with your faith and step up. And there is a coldness that comes. I've seen it repeatedly with people that begin to be affluent. The more affluent they become, the less they feel the need to pray, less they feel the need to study the Word, less they feel the need to be involved with other people or with God's people. Amen. Did you hear me? Amen. Especially God's broke people. And there's this independence that comes. Well, we don't, we don't have to have them. We got money. We don't have to deal with that. We can just do our own. And just get cold and backslide. Deceitfulness of riches. Choke out the word. Make you bland. Pursuing of things. God wants you to have things. God, God, you know, it would suit him fine if you had five vacation homes and eight new cars. I'm telling you. Twelve-room house with three closets full of new clothes. Rings you'd have to use both hands to hold up. <laughs> It'd suit him just fine. He doesn't really care. But, if you're spending half the morning polishing that ring instead of talking to him, <laughs> now he cares. <laughs> I said he cares. I've always liked cars. I mean, from the time I was big enough to talk and walk, I was making motorcycles. Ah, man, if it went fast and made noise, I liked it. From the first go-kart and mini-bike to the motorcycles. And I started working <coughs> after school and get jobs. I spent every penny I had on building a hot rod. Making something that'd go fast. I've always liked it. When the Lord called us, dealt with us to go to Raymond and get into the ministry, I had a 1937 Ford Coupe that I had spent all kind of money and time on. You could have ate your lunch on the engine. And, <clears throat> and I tell you what, I walked off and left it. 
because I saw it was hindering me. It was taking too much of my time and energies. I didn't just have it. I followed it around with a cloth. (laughs) There was smudge. I kid you not, I spend half a day on an alternator bracket. (laughs) You know, you can... There's all kind of stuff you can get into that'll take up all your time. And it might not necessarily be a sinful thing in and of itself, but if it's taking up your time and your thoughts and your energies, it's making you bland, it's choking out the Word, and life is passing you by and you're not doing the will of God. We drove off to Oklahoma and left that thing sitting in the yard. It just sat there for months. Eventually, I sold it for parts and drove this little gutless wonder. <laughs> I mean, I'm used, I'm used to something that when you drive by, the, wind, the windows move, you know. <laughs> something that'll thump. And here I'm driving this little gutless thing. And, but that's all right. It was good for me. Get it out of your system. Get your priorities right. Amen. Amen. Well, a few years later, I felt like I had got, you know, over it some. And <laughs> I, got a, I got a sports car. Got a Corvette. And it wasn't, wasn't a problem. Used it some. Then eventually got a, got a new one. Got a new Corvette. And, well, I like to keep them nice. And at that time, I didn't have anybody to help me along that line too much. And so I'd wash it pretty regular. And, Detail it pretty regular. And I was out there one day, one afternoon, waxing it for the nth time. And <laughs> the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, if you don't quit spending so much time with this thing, I'm going to regret I let you have it. And so I saw. So easy to slip back towards something. You know, he didn't care if I had 12 new Corvettes. But he does care if I'm messing with it all the time. Right? Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. Maybe that's your thing, but it might be a house. That you spend night and day cleaning that thing. and Decorating that thing and furnishing that thing. And about the time you get one room right, you tear it out and start over again. Now, are you listening to me, friend? And spend $50,000 not blinking eye, but you wouldn't dare think about writing a check like that to the church. People say, well, well, that's my stuff. That's, that's the point. <laughs> you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve yourself and God. There can't be two. There's just got to be one. One. Amen. And there's a lot of Christians that Jesus is their Savior. But he is their Lord in name only. In reality, day-to-day life, they are their Lord. They're their own Lord. But friend, if you want all God has for you, you've got to kick you off the throne. I mean, get with a swift, good, hard kick. So that you land way out there somewhere. Amen. And you say, Lord, (laughs) forgive me. This is your seat. 
And if he says walk off and leave this, then you leave it. If he says sell it, then you sell it. If he says give it away, then you give it away. Amen. Amen. And sometimes even something that means a lot to you, he'll have you to get rid of it, at least for a while. Amen. Amen. Because it's taking away from him. Taking away. Go with me to Colossians, if you would. Colossians 3, and we'll begin with verse 1. Colossians 3, 1. He says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, the margin says mind, on things where? Things above, not on things on the earth. You know, Romans 8 talks about to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to, spirit, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And you can tell volumes about how spiritual you are by what you spend most of your time thinking about. Where your mind is. And there is a constant vying for mind time. The enemy is vying for your mind time. People around you are vying for your mind time. There are a thousand and one things yelling, look at me. Pay attention to me. Think about me. Especially in this day and age in which you and I live in, in the media age, the information age. You can see 150 channels. And you can see millions of untold uh, internet sites. And there just is no end to what you can put your mind on instead of God. But if you do and you get caught up in it, hours turn into days and days turn into weeks and weeks turn into years and half your life is gone. It's said that an individual that was riding in the car with Smith Wigglesworth one day, taking him to a a church, and they got to talking about some natural things, and they went on for a while, and, you know, Brother Wigglesworth was said to be uh, an abrupt type individual, and very, very bold, and and, uh, they said they were talking along for several minutes on this thing, and all at once, Brother Wigglesworth said, hop, 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 and just said, Lord Jesus, forgive us. We hadn't thought about you and talked about you for X amount of minutes. <laughs> that is a thought, isn't it? Now, you know, you, you get totally sold out to Jesus and committed all the way. And I've already warned you and told you, there will be people that are going to think you are strange and weird and you've just gone too far. And you're just fanatic, and that's all you talk about and think about, and you just go to church all the time, and dear Lord, you're warped. (laughs) But it's not you that's warped. You're just getting salty. Amen. Amen. You can tell that you're not doing good when you don't really want to come to church. You don't really want to pray. You don't really want to read your Bible. Amen. You'll do it. Not three times in a week, but you'll do it. You don't really want to give. You don't, you don't, you know, you know you ought to. And you'll get around to it some. You're bland. 
If you pray and do it right, it's amazing. If you praise and worship and do it right, it's amazing. It can do for you what no drug can do for you. What no possession and no human can do for you. If you get in the Word and do it right, you talk about a mind blower and a heart filler. I have gotten filled with the Spirit before reading the Word. So you mean you got filled and spoke with tongues? No, I had, been, I had received and been filled years ago. But there's one initial reception and then filling, but many subsequent refillings. And people, you know, people use this term spirit-filled far too loosely. It's spirit-filled this and spirit-filled that and so-and-so spirit-filled and, you know, spirit-filled church and spirit-filled pastors and spirit-filled people. And even hear people say, well, you know, well, so-and-so, I don't understand. I mean, he ran off with the uh, piano player in the building fund, but he was spirit-filled. <laughs> not that day he wasn't. <laughs> and probably not a lot of days before then. You don't do stuff like that. When you're full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but I heard him talking in tongues that morning. That's not the same thing as being full of the Spirit. Did you hear me now? Just because you got filled yesterday or last year or 12 years ago doesn't mean you are full today. Now, I don't mean the Holy Ghost has left you. He hasn't. He's in you. But you are more or less filled day in and day out. And the folk that are filled are the salty people. Amen. Amen. They're the people that's enjoying the services. <laughs> They're the people that's enjoying the prayer time. Getting into the praise. And nobody's having to drag them around. But the people that are full of the flesh. And they've kept their mind on something else besides God and His things for hours and hours and sometimes days on end. Well, you get colder and more carnal and more insensitive and more fleshy and more bland. So you can, you can locate yourself. How you doing in your walk spiritually by your mind. What are you thinking on? What do you keep on your mind? Anybody remember what God told Joshua for keys for success in his life and his ministry before God? Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll what? Meditate in it. When? Well, it's either day or it's night. Is that right? When it ain't day, it's night. When it ain't night, it's day. So how often is he talking about I said, how often is he talking about doing this? Night and day. That you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. I was uh, talking with a lady one time in healing school. She'd been in and out of mental institutions for years. Terrible problems. Go in and get helped a little bit and get out. And before long, she's back in. And just terrible mental and, and spiritual oppression and problems. I was endeavoring to minister to her. And the Lord led me to go to that verse. And, and talk about those things. Joshua 1. Romans 8. About your mind. And what you think on. And read that verse to her. And you know, told her you know, this, this is the answer. She looked at me. Aggravated and said. You can't do that. 
You, you can't think on the things of God all the time, night and day. And she's just saying what a lot of people thought. Without thinking, it came up in my spirit. I said, well, I said, uh, the Lord knew you could. He's the one that said it. Amen. Right? He wouldn't tell you to do something that you couldn't do. And Amen. He told us to do it, so we must be able to do it. I said, besides that, it's not an issue that you can't think on something night and day. You are already thinking on something Amen. night and day. Amen. And obviously not him, or you wouldn't be in the shape that you're in. Because thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. So whether it's you, or your brother, or your sister, or your friend, or your mom, or your grandma, if they're distraught, if they're upset, if they're vexed, if they're panicking, they have not been thinking on him. They've been thinking on something else. They've been minding something else. And we've all been tempted, and like I said, there's, there's always something vying for your attention and your mind time, but you've got to pull your mind off of that. Even if it drifts over on it a hundred times, pull it back a hundred times and put it back on what it's supposed to be on. You keep doing it day in and day out, your, your ability to focus and concentrate will get stronger and stronger and stronger. Hear people say, well, I just, I just, you wish I could just turn my mind off and the Holy Ghost would just possess me and take me over. It ain't going to happen. He's not a demon. Demons are the ones that wants to possess people and control people. The Holy Ghost is not that way. He wants to lead you, guide you, help you. But it's up to you whether you follow. And He never told you to just empty your mind and think nothing. False cults will tell you this kind of thing. Well, just meditate and hum and chant this mantra or something and empty your mind and just become one with the great cosmic nothingness. <laughs> Why is something or someone wanting you to move out? So something else that ain't supposed to be there can move in. God never told you to empty your mind and be mindless and think nothing. Anybody remember the scriptures? He said, think on these things. That'd be a message for a lot of folk right there. Think. Think. Don't just let your mind drift. That's why a lot of times people that do drugs open up the door to the devil. Because they just want to smoke something or take something or shoot something and just kind of get high and just drift. Just let my mind just float on out of here. <laughs> you vacate and something else is moving in. That's why people get spastic and they have hallucinations and they see stuff crawling the walls and all kind of wild things. That's not the will of God. It's not the plan of God. He wants you to take your mind and use it. Focus it on Him. Think about Him. Think about what He said. Think about what He's done. Think about what He's told you He wants you to do. Think about Him. When? All the time. All the time. Can you do that? You're already thinking about something all the time. I say, well, i got to work sometime. I, gotta I know you can, but you can keep Him in it. I said you can keep Him in it. He'll help you. 
You're trying to fix a thing. Don't leave him out. God knows everything about everything. He knows how to do hair and makeup. <laughs> I won't say that next thing. And he knows how to fix transmissions. Yes, he does. He knows everything about your job. Everything. He knows exactly what you ought to do and what you ought not to do. And if you'll just get him involved, just, just keep him in it. Keep, talk to him all through it and, and, and just look on the inside. Lord, help me with this. You, you hear people say, well, I don't, want, I don't want to bother the Lord with this little old nitpicky stuff. Well, you don't know him. You just don't realize what's going on. You got a picture of God up in heaven with some kind of 1940s telephone switchboard. And he's got this big old headset on, and all these lights are lit up, and he's got all these cables answering prayers. And he's got sweat on his, fro- on his forehead, his brow. He's answering prayers in Cuba and Russia and Africa and Canada and the U.S. And, he, and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to bother the Lord. It's not that way. There is no heavenly switchboard. I know we, I know we sing, call him up and tell him what you want, but there ain't no switchboard. You ain't got to call him up and he ain't got to answer the phone. God has no computers. I said God has no computers. He has absolutely no use for a Pentium chip. A computer would be like an ox cart to God. (laughs) He has no use for such a thing. But I tell you who he is. He is God sitting on the throne. He's not old. And he's not tired. And he's not confused. And he's not overloaded. If every believer on the planet made a demand on his power at the same time, the lights would not even flicker in heaven. (laughs) And God can hear the prayers of the presidents and the kings and the the ministers of different countries and the orphans and the widows and the people in despair and the preachers needing their messages and find you a parking place downtown at the same time with no problem. No problem. (laughs) You have not Because you ask not. Not because God's too busy, but because you decided, well, I prayed a little bit in church, but now I'm out here on the job and I'm on my own. I can take care of all this by myself. And so you don't involve Him and you don't ask, so you don't get. Oh, but friend, there's a different way of life. There's a different way of life. Instead of watching a bunch of junk and listening to a bunch of junk and meditating on a bunch of junk, you can be talking to the Lord all the time. Thinking about Him all the time. Praising Him all the time. Amen. And very first thing in the morning, Lord, help me with this hair. Lord, show me what to do. Now, Lord, I burned these eggs the last three mornings. Show me what to do. Help 
me on this job. Help me with this client. You know how they are. You can keep him in the middle of it. He wants to be. He's well able to deal with all of it. Simultaneously. Amen. And you will be a different person. Because if you pursue this. And always thinking about how everything in your life affects the kingdom. Is this a waste of time or is it bearing some fruit? Amen. Amen. Am I helping somebody or am I just living for myself, you see? Always thinking about that. It's not going to just turn totally upside down in a day or two. But as the days go by and the weeks go by, you are going to grow more sensitive. Did you hear me? You're going to grow more sensitive. And you're going to wind up hearing from God and being at the right place at the right time again and again. And just looking up and knowing what to do. And maybe not explain how you know, but just know. This is the problem. And it, it won't, you won't necessarily hear bells or see lightning flashes, but you'll be operating in word of knowledge. Amen. And word of wisdom. Amen. Did you hear me? And you won't necessarily feel tingly or fall out or anything. You'll just know what to do. You'll just be aware of things that you normally wouldn't. Why? Because your awareness of God has come up. Your awareness of yourself and what you want is decreasing. Remember what John said? I must decrease. He must increase. And friend, even though the devil will try to tell you and your flesh feelings will try to tell you, I don't want this. I don't want to lose everything. Hey, best thing that ever happened to you is losing your little junk. Amen. Amen. Because God has got so much more for us. Finish reading this. Set your affection. Set your mind, Colossians 3, 2, on things above. Not on things on the earth. For you're dead. Everybody say you're dead. Look at somebody. Tell them. They may not know it. Tell them you are dead. You're a dead dude. You're dead. Dead. Is this true? I'm reading the Bible now. How many dead people do I have in here? See, people don't even know if they want to respond to that. Huh? Read the scripture. Colossians 3. 3. You are dead. You believe that as much as you believe you're healed? It's just as true. What's he talking about? He's not talking about physically dead. He's not talking about spiritually dead. You're spiritually alive. You're still breathing physically. What's he talking about? Dead to your junk, your stuff. Dead to you, yourself. Alive unto God. Amen? Amen? What do you mean? Not so much aware of me and what I want, totally aware of him and what he wants. Can't have two masters. I can't be thinking about me all the time and thinking about him all the time. Just can't do it. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen. Where's my life? It's hid with Christ. It's in God. When Christ, who is our life, 
shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Christ is our life. Don't sleep on me now, friends. This is very important. We live in a world that is just infested with selfitis. Where that you just hear constantly. And the sad thing is, you hear it in Christian circles. You hear it out of Christians. You hear it out of ministers. Talking about, I just don't have a life. I need some time for me. Are you with me? (laughs) Relationships, marriages, coming apart at the seams. People being unfaithful and unfruitful in their service to churches and ministries because they're disgruntled and they feel like, well, nobody's paying me any attention and I just, I don't have an identity and and I I don't know what my call is and and I've got to pursue my ministry and I've got to find out what it is and, and, and I just don't have a life. You're not supposed to have a life. Amen. You're dead. Amen. <laughs> dead, 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 dead. You're dead. Get it through your head. You're dead. It's not easy to die. You. You look at the rest of the scripture and he says mortify. Mortify. Talking about crucify too. Mortify and crucify. You see, that's, that's not easy. And Romans says, reckon yourself dead unto sin. Reckon. Well, if you felt dead, you wouldn't have to reckon it dead. I'm telling you, you don't feel dead. Your flesh... And when I say flesh, I don't just mean just your physical body. I mean the nature of the flesh. Feels very much alive. And you've got to shove it down in the casket and shut the lid. And just about time you think you're doing real good, you'll hear boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. And if you're dumb, you'll go open it up and go, what? <laughs> it's kind of like a jack-in-the-box. Anybody know about the jack-in-the-box? You push the little jack down in there and shut the lid. But there's something that'll come on that'll crank on your flesh. Don't, don't, don't. Some kind of temptation, some kind of pull, don't, don't, don't. Somebody's talking about you and did you wrong, don't, don't, don't. You don't feel good, don't, don't. Somebody's talking about your kids, oh, don't, 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 don't. Next thing you know, poing, up comes the dead man. And you flesh out and you give somebody a piece of your mind and and you will not be happy. You will not. It will make you miserable. 
It'll mess up your life. It'll ruin your testimony on the job and in your business. You've got to remind yourself regularly and push that down and say, you're dead. Yeah, but you need this. and Yeah, but you want this. And you're human and you have feelings and you have needs too. Are you listening, friends? Now listen carefully. Never, ever, ever, never, never under any circumstances at any time, never, ever, never, (laughs) never is it okay for you to feel sorry for yourself. Ever under any circumstances. See, i got four terminal diseases and they're repossessing my stuff tomorrow. Like I said, never. If you want to be totally destroyed, then just yield to it and feel sorry for yourself. The moment you begin feeling sorry for yourself, you have opened the door to the devil in your life. Not not sometimes, not nine out of ten times, every time you begin to feel sorry for yourself and you go, well... I've got feelings too. This just doesn't seem right. I've got needs too. And the enemy and four of his cohorts will be right there going, yeah, it ain't right. It ain't right. (laughs) And the feelings will just come. And you'll go from depression to anger to bitterness. And a root will get in you that will defile you and taint you and make you a poison to everybody around you. And that root of bitterness can defile many. And friend, folk are just everywhere that are bittered. They're embittered. And they're sour because their husband didn't do them right. And their wife didn't do them right. And I just... It's just a shame how many sorry Christians there are around. And you just can't trust anybody. And they just, people will lie to you and they just hurt you and they just don't care about you. They'll, they'll let you down, they'll do you wrong. <laughs> Friend, anytime you hear that, anytime, do not pet that person. Amen. Do not. You're feeding it. That's right. You're feeding it. And if you hang around it much and don't do the right thing, you'll get sucked into it. Amen. Next thing you know, that's the way. You'll go to work with a big old scowl on your face and go, I'm going to tell you, I just don't get no respect around here. Nobody likes Christians. I'm tired of all their junk. I'm sorry, rascal sinners. And all that stuff they keep doing around me. And they don't pay me decent either. I'm one of the best workers they got. They treat me like dirt. I'm tired of it. The devil says, yeah, you got a right to be tired. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Yeah, you got a right to be sick and tired. <laughs> I am. I'm tired of it. And he'll say, I wouldn't take it. <laughs> What's he doing? Don't, don't, don't.
If you just get that one thing tonight and you act on it for the rest of your life, you'll be a different human being. Amen. I'm serious. Never, ever, never, ever, never under any circumstances feel sorry for yourself. Amen. Don't care what's happening. I don't care if all your friends ran off and left you, your house burnt down, and your dog left. It will not help you. It will not help you to cry and feel sorry for yourself. If you can't help it and you find yourself crying, if you have to, take some toothpicks and prop up the corners of your mouth. (laughs) And go, bless God. I still believe God is still on the throne. Sometimes you have to say with Paul, I mean, you might have to sit out in the middle of the floor and tears are unintentionally falling off your cheeks. Just say, none of these things move me. I refuse to be moved. Yeah, but you feel so bad and they did you so dirty. I'm dead. These things don't bother dead people. I'm dead. Yeah, but you ain't got a life. I got a life. My life is hid with Christ in God. You can't tell where His starts and mine starts. Amen. They're just so mixed up. What is my life? I live and breathe because God is. I live and breathe because there's a kingdom. Amen. I get up in the morning because there's something to be done. I have a purpose. I have a reason for existence. I'm not messing with all these philosophers with all the initials behind their name that are pondering, why are we here? (laughs) The mysteries of the universe. They're ignorant. Pitifully ignorant. We know why we're here. God made this place. He made us. He breathed life into us. Man messed up, but he saved and salvaged the situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there is a kingdom being built. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's his dominion. It's his realm. It's his reign. And we're in it. And it's in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we ought to be that way. Kingdom in the morning, kingdom in the afternoon, kingdom when the sun goes down. What can I do for the kingdom? Well, you can sweep this floor. Amen. Give me the broom. Here we go. If it'll help Jesus, I will flat clean a toilet. But I, I will wash your shoe it'll, if it'll help Jesus. If it'll help the work anyway, let me in on it. And it's so wonderful to be dead. Because you're free. Dead people are free. Amen. If you had somebody up here this evening that was dead and laid out. I'm talking about dead. Physically dead. You could walk by the uh, casket. And you could say, you're a wonderful guy. You're the most amazing guy I think I have ever known in my life. I mean, besides Jesus Christ, you're just, you're right there. <laughs> You know, I think maybe you're, you're, you're one of the great apostles that should come. You, you may be one of the witnesses in Revelation. You, and just go on and on. He is not going to get puffed up. <laughs> He's not going to get full of pride. 
He's not going to have problems staying humble. He's dead. I said, he's dead. Nor if you go by and you go, you know, I never liked you. (laughs) I don't like your mama either. (laughs) And your kids are ignorant brats. You're one of the ugliest guys. It's no wonder you're ugly. Your mama's so ugly. Is he going to get mad? No. Huh? Is he going to get upset? No. Is his blood pressure going to shoot up? His expression will not change. Because he's dead. I said he's dead. <laughs> that, I'm not just carrying on with this. That's what the Bible says. You are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. <laughs> you're, you're enjoying yourself and that's fine. But I'm telling you, this is a critical situation in the body. Because we have untold men and women and youth and children that are just totally self-absorbed. And their total pursuit from morning till night is to make me happy. It starts with children. People totally adapting to the child instead of the child adapting to the family. And, and teaching them through their example that the world revolves around them. And it doesn't. And when these individuals get to school, they think the school is there for them. And when they try to get a job, they think that the whole place is just there for their pleasure. And people have that idea. They do not have an attitude of servanthood. Or of what can I do and what can I give. They have an attitude of what you going to do for me today. I showed up, ain't that enough? I know I made your day. So glad you can see me. We, we have a world full of individuals like this. I'm so glad my parents didn't do that to me. They let me know right off the bat. <laughs> that I was not the most important thing in the universe. They're good to me. Don't you misunderstand? Good, good parents loved me, loved each other, stayed together. Amen? Amen. But I knew, you know, I learned early. My mom had a little saying. She said, you're old enough now to know that that your wants don't hurt you (laughs) if you don't get them. And... uh, I'd, you know, I'd come in and say, I want to, the guys want to go swimming, they want to go play ball, and Dad says, yeah, but we got the corn to get in. Well, that's the end of the conversation. I mean, <laughs> ain't no need floundering around going, yeah, but Daddy, I want to go. Don't even start that. <laughs> yeah, but Daddy, I had plans. I never told him that. No. Never. <laughs> never, because I knew it was totally useless. <laughs> He'd have probably said, I understand. Make sure the corn's in. 
Amen. No discussion. Yeah, but I had a plan. Yeah, but your little plan's not important. But we got a whole world full of Christians that they have a plan. And here's, here's the deception. So many of them, they have a plan for God. They have a plan for the things of God. And they're so convinced that God thinks just like they do. <clears throat> that anybody that disagrees with them or tries to give them some priority over their plan, they shoot it down in a hurry. And they won't submit to anything. Boy, it got quiet on that one, didn't it? <laughs> it's a problem. And what happens is they wind up floundering around and do not mature and do not develop and are miserable and unhappy. And when you're that selfish, you can't live with anybody. You'll have marriage and divorce after marriage and divorce. You can't be a good parent. You can't be a good employee. You can't be a good church member because all you think about is you. If people's foreheads were TV screens, and thank God they're not, <clears throat> but if they were, and you could see what people were thinking, it'd be a revelation. <laughs> Probably be hard to preach. <laughs> if you're looking at everybody... But the thing is, most of the channels that people are on is something about me. Amen. Me. My needs, my wants, my feelings, my desires. There's even me commercials and me reruns. <laughs> it's me, 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 me in the morning, how I feel, what I don't have, what I want, what my family's not doing for me, what my spouse is not doing for me, what I need and I want and I feel and I, I, me, me. And these people are miserable. And they make folk around them miserable. And that's all things down here. But oh, if you can set your affection and your heart and your mind on God. Amen. And keep your mind on the Jesus channel. <laughs> Everything about what he has done and what he has said and what he is doing and what's he doing in the earth and his kingdom and his plan and what you can do and you're focusing all the time on what, what can I do. Jesus is our example, isn't he? And Jesus said, John 6.38 I believe it is, he said, I came not to do my own will but the will of Him that sent me and to finish the work. Jesus never got up in the morning and said, what do I want to do today? Not one day. Jesus never said, what, you know, I need some time. I need some space. I've got to discover myself. <laughs> this is ignorance. It's, it's especially ridiculous that Christians talk this way, and yet they do. Because they're just full of so-and-so doctor's books and don't know the Word. So they're all this interest stuff. I've got to, I've got to search and, and get my psyche settled. And I've got to... My, my, my feelings are so out of balance. And, and they just talk. And I've been around these individuals. Some of them, they've got some good things about their heart. But bless their self, they're so messed up. And you just... They're just scattered and bewildered and they've got no peace. Amen. And they've got no joy. Amen. And anything that's not feeding them, they cut off from it. And they're looking for a group of people that will just get up in the morning because they live. 
And they're not going to find it. But the joy comes where you do count yourself dead. And when anything comes to your mind about what you don't have or what you're not getting, you say, oh, shut up. I'm dead. I died. I'm dead. Shut up, flesh. And there is an abiding faith that if I'll serve God like I'm supposed to, He's going to take care of me. Amen. Amen. He's not going to let me miss out on anything that's significant and important. So I don't have to spend all my days trying to take care of me and trying to fix me and get it from me. I can live to give. Amen. I can just think about you and bless you and help you and take care of you. Amen. Amen. And as I'm sowing and giving out the law of sowing and reaping, it's got to start coming back to me. Amen. 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 If you will sow friendship, you will have friends. If you will sow loyalty, you will have loyalty. Amen. 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 If you'll sow, it'll come back to you. And if you're deficient and lacking in any area, you need to be honest with yourself. Have I been sowing? Have I been sowing in that area? Go with me, if you would, to Philippians. And I, I'm going to close. I tell you, before we do this, go to 2 Timothy 4. Hold your place there. We'll just do this and come back there like that. 2 Timothy 4 and Philippians 2. I'll try not to keep you much longer. 2 Timothy 4, Philippians 2. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10. 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed to Thessalonica. Demas forsook me. He, one translation says he deserted me. He left me. Why did he do it? Because he loved this present world. Sometimes we don't realize it. We think, well, man, if you could be around the Apostle Paul day in and day out, you'd just be half floating, you know, and you'd never think about leaving. People were. People that, were, that legitimately got saved and filled with the Spirit and saw miracles and was involved in missionary work, and yet they had flesh just like we do today and get to looking at things. Now, sometimes we, we assume, well, he probably... Went out and got him five prostitutes and drank himself into a stupor and, you know, not necessarily just loving the world system. He could have just had always had dreams of his own, of being a successful businessman or of being, a, today we might say, a movie star or an entertainer or something. He just, he had a dream of his own and it had to do with this world system and like 1 John 2 talks about uh, the, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life that's over the world and not of, not of God. Amen. And how many have been sucked into this and drawn even after being around spiritual greatness Amen. and seeing the real move of God. Jesus is as spiritual as it gets. His life, his ministry. And Judas was right there with him. Right? 
all the time for those years. And yet he got disillusioned and he wanted money and he thought that things should be going differently, I guess. And he sold out for nothing. For really nothing. 30 pieces of silver. Paul had more than one person bail on him. Sometimes right in the middle of a trip. Remember Mark at one point, he said, I'm going home. <laughs> what do you mean he's going home? We're out in the middle of nowhere. On this, I'm, I'm at it, man. I mean, we got demon-possessed people out here. and <laughs> You got people trying to kill you and shipwrecks and stuff. I'm going home to mama. <laughs> and he did. Now it looks like later on he got his act together and he got to think, thank God you can. But... Just because you are around the reality of God and even strong anointings doesn't mean that you have to obey God and follow all the way. You can get to looking at the world and the things and get sliding back into it. But I like this passage in Timothy where you're holding your place here. Or Philippians, excuse me. Philippians chapter 2. Paul said... Verse 19, he said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly to you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally, or we might say genuinely, care for your state. That's a statement, isn't it? All seek the wrong. Could you stop just a moment and realize that that is true about many, 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 many people? Including Christians, what are they basically doing every morning when they get up? They're seeking, now they, they don't see anything wrong with it, but they're seeking their own. Most of their time and their thinking and their energies and their money and everything else is going for my house, my stuff, my retirement, my kids, my this, my the other, and that's still, people say, well, what's wrong with that? Everything. There's nothing wrong with you doing some of that, but it needs to be way down the list from number one. Seeking first the kingdom of God. If you're doing that, you're not doing the seeking the kingdom. What do you do? You quit my job? What are you doing? Full-time ministry? No, no, no. It's an adjustment in your heart. Amen. Amen. And it's a mindset and focus. From the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed, you're not just thinking about you. You're not just thinking about your bills and your kids and your retirement. You're thinking about the kingdom. The kingdom. What? I mean, my life is short. It's going to come. It's going to go. And when it's over with, what will I have done that made a difference in the things of God? With the church and with the ministries and with the outreaches, what touched people's lives? What helped them to meet Jesus and grow in God? Anything else is flesh, it's going to be dust. It's going to melt. It's not going to matter. We can have some of that. We can enjoy some of that. We can take care of our kids. We can do some things. But it cannot be first if we're to really be His disciple. And the Lord said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to forsake it all. You've got to hate it. I told you I'd touch on that briefly. That doesn't mean that you just can't stand yourself or you can't stand your, your father or mother. If you look up the word, it has to do with, with detest. 
And you can understand it when you see that when your heart gets sold out to God, anything or anybody that stands between you and doing the will of God and holds you back and hinders you, you detest it. Amen. Did you hear me? Whether it's anybody or anything or your own self, you, you get to the place where you just disgust you. It aggravates you. And you make up your mind, nothing, nobody, not my own fickle emotions or feelings or dreams or whatever is going to hold me back. It's me and you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And you're willing to lay it all aside. You're willing to shoulder your cross. You're willing to to take his yoke and his burden, which is light and easy because he graces you to do it. Amen. 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 And just forget about what you thought you needed and wanted and just live to serve and live to be a blessing to somebody and live to help somebody and you will find that in this is joy. In this, you'll look up not having thought about yourself or what you wanted needed for days and you'll say, I am happy. I'm the happiest I've ever been because I'm doing something for the kingdom. I'm, I'm making a difference. I'm being a blessing. I'm sowing. I'm helping. I'm Taking somebody that's crying and helping them to smile. I'm taking somebody that's down and helping them to get up. That's what matters. That's what lasts. That's what satisfies. That's what gives you joy. Hallelujah. Stand up and praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.